0: Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle Podcast, where we know and believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before.
1: Today's episode, we welcome to the show a young man by the name of Jake Rosen. Let me tell you about Jake. I had a chance to work with him this past year as he was the senior point guard for Winston Churchill High School's basketball team here in Maryland. Jake is arguably one of the brightest and sharpest young men I've had a chance to work with. Even so impressive that at the end of the year, he was awarded one of our Green 13 awards where we award 13 leaders that we work with throughout the year with this really cool award. Jake is also a basketball junkie. He started a blog of his own at eighth grade called Jake in the Paint, and he's been covering high school and collegiate basketball relentlessly for the past four years He's made a name and a profile for himself, and he's absolutely become a student of the game. We wanted to bring Jake on because in addition to Jake's perspective from basketball, he also has a great emotional intelligence as it relates to what high schoolers want in this whole process of basketball. So we wanted to dig into Jake's mind to help us better understand the high school athlete and what's important to them, what means the most to them, why they do some of the things they do jake shares incredible perspective i think you will find very helpful in today's episode so without further ado let's jump in tj one of my favorite athletes that i've had a chance to work with through the lead em up program joins us jake rosen who just recently graduated from churchill high school in maryland is going to be attending the university of wisconsin And we always talk about having those players on the team that you can really count on as a leader that just have great insight, a great feel, very high levels of emotional intelligence to just understand the the landscape. And Jake is one of those guys. And I absolutely relied upon Jake. And, And Jake's special in the sense that he's more than just a high school athlete. He's a basketball junkie. All right, as we mentioned in the intro, he's been blogging since eighth grade. He covers games on weekends. Uh, this guy knows, I mean, he follows Twitter feed. He's breaking down film. I think this quarantine, he probably increased his film watching tenfold, right, during all this time. That's what he does. So, TJ, I'm excited because I want to jump in with Jake and, and you and really dig into the mind of the high school athlete. We have a lot of high school coaches that listen. And I think it's important if we can get some really healthy and trustworthy perspective on the mind of a high school athlete, TJ, you agree how important that is for coaches to make sure we're understanding where our players are at and what they're thinking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to hear Jake's thoughts, somebody who's actually in there living it around that age group. Because you know I would go recruiting all the time and watch these players at different different ages and different stages of their life and have my own assumptions, but I'm really anxious to hear somebody that's in the thick of it, a little bit more truth to that.
1: Well, TJ, the one thing, Jake, and and you tell me if you agree with this, you've kind of you you see it all because like even within your team specifically, there are some potential D1 players, right? Mm-hmm. That are that are wanting those scholarships, next level, wanting to get looks, stats and all that. You you have some that are multi-sport, that basketball is one of many sports they play. You you have players that are maybe just part of the basketball team because it's fun and they want to be part of a team environment. So you see it all, yeah. right? Yeah. Um let's just start with the high-level athlete, all right? The, the one that's trying to get the scholarship, so many of our teammates, it's almost all they're all about. They mm-hmm. want to get that exposure. They want to get that free ride. They want it to be at a certain level. Is, is that push, which has almost been pushed across the country yep. more than ever, is that a good thing for high school basketball or is it a bad thing in your opinion?
2: I mean, so I think it's kind of a two-parter. Um, I don't want to give a cop-out yes and no answer, but it, it is taking your question to full account. It kind of is what it is. So I think the idea of pushing yourself to get a scholarship and go to college for free and change your life forever, I think that's an amazing thing. And I think it's great that kids have the maturity now to say, okay, look, this is my end goal. My My goal isn't, to be on varsity as a freshman my goal isn't to score x amount of points as a sophomore my goal is to go to college for free and get a free education and i think that is a really awesome thing that i'm going to continue to preach all across the country now the part that i have a hard time and struggle to like think myself is why are you pushing yourself to go division one like You know, TJ, Division Two coach, and you probably deal with this way more than you'd even like to talk about. But just the idea that you have to go D one, and D one is your only option. Like there's plenty of amazing D two schools that give you the same free ride and same free education and same life-altering four years that these D ones will give you. And so I think it's kind of a two-part. It's a it's a double-edged sword. A little bit pushing ourselves. And looking ahead towards college because you see all these d1 dreams like d1 bound and that's all like the cool hashtag that everyone loves to use but to what end like if you're going and this stands true for high school this stands true for aau if you're not in the right situation then what are we doing here and i try to tell every kid i talk to that look if you're not going to play then why why are you doing this we all we do this to, to play basketball and be in the best situation possible at all times so so when we're pushing ourselves to get to that next level, and we have the long-term, like approach to it, I think that's a really positive aspect of grassroots basketball and high school basketball today. But then it also does cut back when kids are always like, "I need to be power. I need to be a power five guy. I need to be a D one guy." And I think that's one. It puts way too much pressure on yourself. And two, I just don't think it's the best approach for everyone
0: you know, does it diminish the experience a little bit too? Like what you're speaking to is like, I, I, I got two, a two part question for you. And I think sometimes um going after that, like you said, that power five and anything less than that is, you know, maybe it's not good enough. And then, you know, that, that part of it, but then the second part of it is, this is like, how many kids are really thinking about that? Like, How many kids are thinking, you know, I am going to be able to get a college scholarship and change my life. Cause I can do that at, JUCO, NAID, one, yeah, I can get a scholarship. D 3s put great packages together. How many people are thinking that versus just working for the status? Like, I just want to be approved at whatever I, whatever level I am. I just want to be approved as a, as a scholarship recipient because I don't know if I was at eighteen thinking about like this scholarship is going to change my life. Do you mm-hmm. think a lot of young people are thinking that way?
2: I, I wish more kids were. Um, that would be my answer, and I wish more kids could see that that that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is going to college for free, changing your life, getting a four years of education and saving your family a lot of money. And that's, that is for every high school athlete. In my opinion, there's a really, really small percentage of guys that go pro. And if you're not going to go pro, or even if you're going to go pro and it's going to be bouncing around Europe for a couple of years, that's great. That, that But that's not going to be you're not going to be able to retire at 27 after playing in Europe for 5 years. So at the end of the day, you're going to need to get a job. You're going to need to go into the real world unless you make it to the NBA and we know the percentages of that are beyond slim. So I I every kid I talk to, I try to preach to them, that's your ultimate goal because that's what's going to carry you for life. Like this D1 school, heck, they might get moved down to D2 5 years after you graduate and then what? Like then you sat on the bench for nothing and didn't have a great experience for nothing. So I do think way too many kids are caught up and and they think the ultimate status approval is going D1 or going Power 5 or going to the ACC. But the real status approval, in my opinion, is getting a free college scholarship. But you just, again, I'm sure we're going to talk about social media era, and I don't want to sound like the old guy because I'm literally 18 years old and I'm still in high school, but like comparing like someone comparing themselves to their peers on social media and on 24 seven and on rivals and on verbal commits, that stuff is real. Like that stuff is real. I've seen it. I've heard it. I, I watch it every, everywhere I go. Like that stuff is real and it kills me. So I, I wish to answer your question. I wish more kids were aware that that's the ultimate goal. And I know in the long term that they will look back on it and say, Hey, that's what really changed my life. So if I'm on the outs of the situation, I don't, I don't have a I don't have horse in the stable and I can provide an unbiased opinion. That's what I try to bring to the table on every person that's it to.
1: I'm glad you alluded to, it kills me too, right? When I mm-hmm. see the competition on social media, you know, my top five or your top five? And, and you can just tell that there's this comparison game yeah. and that when they're, someone's top five doesn't match that, their top five, it's like, I'm less than, like they got it one up when in reality, If we look back in 10 years, to your point, Jake, they may have had a better, more high profile top five today. But you may land in a better situation today. Mm -hmm. And when we look back, since neither player makes it to the NBA, all they did is experience four years in college, this player that had a less than attractive top five and actually lands in a better spot may actually have the better experience, may Mm -hmm. prove to be the winner. When it's all said and done, I think about Brandon Simpson, who's a player that I used to have to lead him up. That's now with TJ Rosine. Brandon wanted D one like a lot of players. He did. He wanted D one. TJ knows that, right? T- shoot, TJ Brian knows all his players wanted D one <laughs> at some point, right? I mean, let's just be real here. Brandon Simpson is going to leave his four years at Emmanuel College so thankful for his experience. I got a text from his mom on Father's Day about that exact thing. It was. It's going to be an incredible experience. Shoot, he may even play overseas for a couple of years. Is Emmanuel the most high-profile D1? No, but it was a great experience, and I really want kids to understand that. It's about the situation. Let's mm-hmm. get away from the comparison game, and Jake, you, like you said, you see it all over. Is it getting worse?
2: Um, well, so, I mean, one thing I would just say on the quick like comparison thing is when I'm talking to kids and I'm talking to coaches, an exercise I always try to do is look, let's let's scale this thought process up a level like we can because kids always like to think, oh, I'm I'm better than D2. All right, then fine. You're so good. Let, let's talk about NBA players. Let's take a guy like Trey Young. Trey Young had all the blue bloods on the table. He had Duke, he had, he had Kansas, he had Kentucky, he had anyone he wanted. And he picked Oklahoma because that was the best fit for him. Is Oklahoma a basketball powerhouse? No, they were like an eight seed in the tournament when he went. But Trey Young got the keys to the Cadillac. He got to rock out. They tailored the whole offense around him. And he had an unbelievable experience that led to him being a top five pick. If he goes to Kentucky and because he's chasing the approval from everyone else and he wants to go to that Bluewood school, does he have the same college career and then get drafted top five? I don't think so personally i don't think so and then you have guys i mean i don't even need to name names we all know the guys that go to the dukes that go to the kentuckys and they just want to be at that school because everyone like they think they're that guy because they commit to that school and then they ride the bench for two years and transfer and then it's like then what and it's just like it happens at every single level and to answer your question i do think it might be getting a little worse i do um it's this is all anecdotal of course there's no research or data behind it but it's just everything that I see at every level we're talking about the high level guys they're chasing Dukes and Kentuckys talking about guys that are fringe D1 players they're always trying to get that next step up even if it means sacrificing the best fit both on and off the court for them and that's the stuff that kills me just the not being able to see hey I'm going to check my ego for a second and I'm going to pick the best fit for me because at the end of the day that's what matters
0: yeah. You know, I agree. Fit is everything. And you, know, and I, and I had that experience. I went to a small D one and I transferred to NAI and finished up and it was just the right place for me. And so I think everybody finding that it's hard for an 18, 19 year old, and to be honest with you, I think it's coaches are, you know, we kind of throw players under the bus a little bit in this situation, but coaches are not that much different. Mm-hmm. How many years of their life do they spend trying to find the bigger, better job that, are, you know, I see this, they're, they're chasing this this dream all the time and then, I see some of them get there and they realize the last 20 years they've spent chasing it were probably some of the best years of their life and they forgot mm-hmm. to be present where they were and to make that in- impact. So players are, I mean, coaches are just as guilty as, as players of this often of chasing something that's not really gonna be that fulfilling at the end, you know, getting to the end of the rainbow and realizing, you know, there's, there's just not really a pot of gold here. And so <laughs> players and coaches, I think are both guilty of that. Now, I, I think it's harder for an 18 year old think in those terms right and so I almost put more you know uh, ownership on the coaches who can't think that way you know they're 30 40 years old but young 18 year old 19 year old trying to figure out what is best for my future and and then playing this comparison game and we know that comparison is the thief of all joy you know and you're they're stealing their own joy by comparing these things back and forth but
1: and and TJ can I can I comment on that I, I think that's a topic that needs to get brought up right? Because there's high school athletes that are going through their high school experience in an incredible environment, but they're unhappy the whole time because they're not getting that one look. They're not getting that offer. And it completely clouds their entire season, right? And their entire experience because of that simple comparison. And that's where I think we've fallen off the deep end here because there are players that are sitting with scholarships in their pockets. Everything Jake alluded to, that free ride, life-changing, right? You get to play at, on the next level in college, which is already a small percentage, but yet they're going through the process unhappy because they didn't get that one, and, and it clouds them all year. Like, you just wasted a year, and you, you stressed over a year. You allowed this to disrupt your enjoyment over and throughout the whole year because of this. That's a problem.
2: Mm-hmm. agree jake yeah i mean i'm I'm with you through and through i think you hit the nail on the head for sure i mean i see it happen way too often um and look i don't want it to seem like oh recruit, this recruiting game is so easy like it's probably one of the most grueling processes a high school kid can go through you have a million people pitching you you have way too many people in your ear acting like they won't actually have your best interests but i mean that's a separate conversation but these kids are just faced with so much and TJ said it they are 17-year-old kids these are 17 18-year-old kids I don't want to be like oh this is such an easy thing you just pick the right fit and move on I'm I'm not saying that I'm just saying that I think people don't look for the best fit way too often I think they're looking for the big the most prestigious look they're looking for the biggest school but and in reality, when the right fit could have been sitting in front of them for eight months, like, they, I mean, that's what you alluded to. I don't want it to make, I don't want it to come off as, oh, you're not in it. You don't get how hard this is. I get how hard it is. I talk to a lot of people. I understand the process. It, it's really, really tough. And it's really, really like it, it's taxing. And that's really the only way to describe it. But my biggest qualm comes with the fact that I don't think enough kids are looking for the right thing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, it's a hard thing to to tell them. You need to be looking for the right thing when I think we're all enamored by the you know the biggest thing and the brightest thing and the shiniest thing. But I th- I find it really fascinating. You know, we we've had players go pro, and and we've had D one transfers come to us, and they go pro, and um, and I don't know they would have gone pro sitting on the bench, and then they go here and get clock at our D two level, and they get to put stats up and get film, and now you can send that film, and people give them an opportunity. I'm not saying that's always the case, but you know, even, even this I've experienced this Jake is we we've recruited some kids in Atlanta, some players to come to our D two who weren't D one offered, but they'll go to some D two like 2000 miles away. That's one in 30 and we're playing in the national tournament. And I think they're going there sometimes because it's almost like, well, I can't say I went to the D two next to me. Mm-hmm. I, I need to go away, and so I, that's even at their own level, the image part of it is mattering so much.
2: Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I think that's that happens. Like that, re, that genuinely happens. I think people listening now, they're like, "Oh, that's crazy!" Like that happens down in Atlanta. That happens up here. That happens in New York. That happens all across the country. I mean, I think, and I think it's a good segue into like at Coach Rather, We were talking about like. The social aspect of it and how many guys do this for the right reason if we're taking a step back from and I don't want to run your podcast here but I just if you're cool I just that that just made brought up like a tangent in my mind it just it happens at every level we, we you always talk about how many dudes are in it for like the social gratification say I play on the basketball team and I think like in my opinion in my experiences the teammates that I've had That this like Hollywood thing of like, you go to a party and you're like, yeah, I'm on the basketball team. Like that doesn't really happen. Like I don't, that like, there are a lot of kids on the team that I don't like, I don't think that they, that's why they do it. But I do think that this happens at college. This happens with AAU teams. And I mean, TJ, I'm sure you watch a ton of AAU just trying to find guys. We both watch a ton of film. I can't evaluate you if you're on the bench. Like that's just straight up. I mean, it's not, it doesn't get more simple than that. And you see a lot of kids, like if we're not, I'm talking to sponsored AU teams, kids will be the 10th and 11th man on the UIBL team just so they can rock the gear at school. And, not, and they're not playing and wasting the entire summer to get a scholarship. And you see kids going to private school just to tell everyone they went to the WCAC. But in reality they're going to be the ninth and 10th man and they're wasting two years of getting a college scholarship. And so this is kind of just the same recurring theme. in coach Bradley, when you say, is it getting worse? This is why I think it's getting worse because sneaker circuits are only getting bigger. Like big, big high school conferences are only getting bigger. The the microscope is only getting bigger. The amount of tension is only, you're only getting more clicks, more retweets, more likes, more followers. Like everything is expanding. So in reality, like in exchange, I think this whole notion of chasing instant gratification from your peers, I think that gets worse when everything else gets magnified, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. What was it? What's the tournament? I'm I'm drawing a blank up in Springfield.
2: Hoop ball. Hoop ball.
1: Yeah, Hoop ball. right? High profiles with a team that at the time, when that weekend was going on, we were doing a lead them up session. And this team could be at that tournament. Okay. They, they, they could. And I tell you, we were talking earlier, TJ, about reading the room. They were scrolling through the highlights because the games were happening literally at that moment, right? And they're scrolling through scores and, and box scores and all that. And, boy, there was this pressure, this vibe in the room like we should be there. I, certain players, I need to be there, right? Like why am I not there? And you could almost feel this sense of what do I do, need to do to get there? And, and there's even a chance that I could see that the desire to be in an environment like Hoop to Jake's point, where someone would leave a good situation getting a ton of minutes, getting a ton of play with an offense built around them, that they would actually go potentially to another team to sit and take a decreased role just to be there, right? Just to be in that scene. And, and that leads me to this, this next conversation about transferring, mm-hmm. Right you know, we've already talked about the fit. Are you big on that, Jake, that it's still all about the fit or do people, and this is an interesting one because you're a public school, right? So mm. you got to you gotta tread lightly here, right? Yep. <laughs> to some degree, but is it still all about fit? Is it still all about minutes? Do they need that higher competition to get where they need to go? What is your thoughts on that?
2: So, I mean, as someone who kind of just, I mean, I'm a public school guy, so I, I think I I'm a, so I watch, obviously I'm watching a ton of private school basketball. I'm keeping up with recruiting, watch a ton of AAU. So I think I have a unique perspective because I know I've seen the public school the games. I see the kids, I see the looks they get and it's scarce out there, man. Like it really is. It, I, I, I'm going to be brutally honest. It's, it's really, really hard to get recruited from Montgomery County. That's just straight up. I mean, we've seen kids kill the County. And one of my, one of my best friends, Jomo, he killed the County, literally was one of the best players in the state. And I can say that without any bias and he his recruiting didn't take off till basically after the season was over. And that's just, it was real of a senior year. Yeah. I mean, and that was really hard for me to see that because, and I do think, yes, fit matters, minutes matter, roles matter, but I do think there's something to be said for someone leaving a school. And again, we're talking about checking ego here. I think this is kind of the reverse. Like, okay, I'm the star. I'm getting all the minutes. I'm getting all the clock. I'm going to leave and take a lesser role at a bigger school but okay, I'm going to be put on the stage. And look, people love to say, if you can play, they'll find you. I think, it's, I think it's a little bit cliche. I really do. Like People don't watch as much film as they say they do. They don't, call, they don't make as many calls as they say they do. And kids fly under the radar all the time. And guys like TJ, who do their research and do their homework, get the, reap the benefits of that. And this happens time and time again. So I do think there is something to be said for getting yourself. And I don't want to feel like I'm contradicting myself because college and high school are a lot different. like I think there's something to be said for trying to play at a high high school level and getting yourself in front of the eyes and getting yourself in front of the coaches because whether we like it or not, the, those coaches aren't everywhere. They're, every coach is at Hoop Every coach is watching City of Palms. So I can see how that's intriguing to a kid who's saying, look, I'm going out there, I'm dropping 30 and I feel like no one's even listening to me. Why wouldn't I try to go play a role on this bigger stage? But now the problem we run into is they don't can't take solace in playing a role. And that's just the wiring that you deal with and lead them up all the time is guys transfer and they say, oh yeah, I was the man at my public school. I'm just going to come in here and be the man here. And I've seen it time and time again. That's not how this works. Like one, it's a step up and two, you need to earn your way. So I think that's just, and I think coach Bradley, you deal with this a ton, the mental aspect of it and kids embrace it. We talk about embracing your role all the time. And so I do think transferring, uh, look, I'm transferring gets a really bad rep, like it it just does. That's straight up. But there's countless examples of guys who bet on themselves, went to a bigger school, and are now reaping benefits that I could never even imagine. You think? I mean, a guy like Jordan Hawkins is the was, ultimate I example. Say,
1: I was about to say, Jordan, Jordan Hawkins right is the ultimate
2: example. <laughs> like uh, t- two years ago. He's playing against Churchill in a Gaithersburg gym and he's cooking. Like, he's playing well. Obviously, it wasn't like his best game ever, but you can see the potential there. But how many guys are willing to bet on a kid because he has potential coming out of Montgomery County? Like, you have such little room for air playing at a public school county that Jordan Hawkins, if he goes through a shooting slump, who knows if he's going to get recruited? Like,
1: now, but he started ramping before he stepped into the So that's one thing to note, though. I want to talk no. about timing, okay, right? Yeah. Because, like, he, he, he had already been invited in the Nike elite 100 before he actually stepped on court with the yeah. So is it how much then does the AAU presence, so, yeah. right? Yeah. Which one's more powerful? Because he had the AAU presence, even though he was still in public school, but obviously things have elevated significantly once he went to the
2: I mean, listen, I know there's, there's some, there's certain conferences around the country that are supreme over anything like wcic is incredible i mean you have the the philly catholic league which is incredible you have the st louis catholic league, which is really good i mean i know and then you have well, california is kind of complicated but you have california open division at the end of the year like these are top tier high school conferences that you're getting great bump every single night but in my opinion nothing trumps aau i mean on top of the political ties that come with it like okay yes jordan hawkins it's not a coincidence that Jordan Hawkins played for team Durant, which is a Nike team. And then got invited to the Nike elite camp all while playing for a public high school. Like that is not a coincidence that that's just straight up. So just, I think AAU in terms of the ties that those coaches have the relationships that they have, the exposure that you get, it's, it's supreme to basically every level of basketball you can get in the country. And that's why we talked about it. That's why those kids are chasing that EYBL pipe dream. Like, they're they think they think they belong in that level, and it comes back to the point we talked about earlier with not having the right circle around you and saying, okay, like let's go play for a non-sponsored team where you can get your reps, you can get your looks. Like there's all there's levels to this stuff, and you just need to evaluate where you fit in in that certain circumstance. But in terms of high school versus AAU, there's very very few high school programs and conferences, and Tamatha is probably one of them that can compete with the ties and connections that some of these AU programs have.
1: Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap for today's halftime communication tip. Today's halftime is inspired by Jake Rosen, our guest today. I asked him, what is your favorite on-court basketball communication tip? He said this. He said, I always tell my bigs, if you want an entry pass, you better call out the press break ball screen. As a point guard, I totally understand his point. And I love that notion because essentially what he's saying is, hey, will you try to look out for me with your communication? Use your communication as a way to protect me and and help make sure I'm in a good place. I think so much of communication would benefit greatly if we communicated from a place of looking out after our teammates. Take that inspiration and use it this week, coaches. And thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. I also asked Jake, I said, Jake, for today's shootaway stat sheet, give me your favorite basketball statistic. Here's what he shared. There have been five seasons in the NBA history where a player has attempted at least 600 threes and 700 free throws. Let me say that again. There have been five seasons in NBA history where a player has attempted at least 600 threes and 700 free throws. All of them belong to one person, James Harden. He has completely revolutionized the offensive game in basketball. But when you think about putting up that many shots regularly, year after year, You know you're working on your game relentlessly where we're not seeing the action that he's putting in, the training. And for players and hoopers out there, if you want to work on your shot, there's often considered no greater tool than utilizing ShootAway's The Gun to allow you to get in the gym, get your shots up, and work to become a better shooter. Check out ShootAway.com to learn more about how you can get started with one of their guns in your gym today. Now, let's jump back in with the boys and Jake.
0: You know, it's interesting because I think for a lot of our listeners, you guys are speaking a foreign language in the sense of the private school, (laughs) public school. Like, in Georgia, like, that's not how it works. So we have two teams that are top 10 nationally all the time, Norcross and Wheeler High School. They're both big public schools. Mm -hmm. And we have Buford High School. And there's a whole bunch of schools that we have that are, like, I, you know, public and private, they, they're not distinct here. Like they are up North, I think a little bit. And, um, whereas I, the, the feel I'm getting is when you're going up North, like that private school is a little bit stronger than the public school. Right. And so in Georgia, it may be even the flip. Uh, And then there's some very powerful private schools too. But But are people
1: transferring amongst public down there quite often? Oh oh, yeah,
0: probably more than anywhere in the country, like Atlanta area. They're just, I mean, it's a free for all. I mean, there's, I'm not going to name names, but there's there's teams. If you go watch them in the summer, like their high school team in the summer, and you watch them play, you're like, man, they're going to be awful. And then you go watch them this year, and the top eight guys didn't even get there until the day before school. You know what I mean? Like it's it's insane. But the, the thing, let me tell you something that's happening. Which this is a slightly different direction, but it's so interesting to me. So, like, at our, at our level at D2, it's it's tricky, like, going after these guys. So, let's say we find that gem, right? Well, I mean, I would say the last couple of years, um, the, the the best guys in our league, so the freshman of the year in our league transferred D1. The uh, We have a, a guy who was one of the first-team all-conference. He transferred D1. So, we have four or five guys in the league go D1. Some of the guys weren't even the best guys in the league. But in the past years, we've had even more guys go from our D2 league to D one. And I think most of them probably didn't even have as good of an experience. Like you said, they weren't the guy, they weren't the man. They had, didn't have the opportunity to create that, but there's a lot of coaches. So I don't know what you guys think about this. There's a lot of coaches. I still recruit high school kids like crazy. Like we, a majority of the kids we recruit to high school. I want the four year experience with them. I want to grow and do that. But there is a lot of coaches. I know, even at the D mid major, low major D two level, D two level who are saying, let's quit recruiting high school kids. Mm-hmm. They're going to transfer anyway. Let's get them on the rebound. So there's a bunch of these low D1s trying to pick D2s, mid-majors trying to pick low majors. And then to be honest with you, high majors picking uh, Mm mid-majors. You see a kid in a mid-major go for 25 a game, he'll be at a major next year. He ain't going to put up 25, but he's going to be at a power five. And everybody's transferring up. And so there's a lot of coaches going to the place of like, you know what? you can't really transfer a third time. It really penalizes you. So let's just get them on the, let's just get our second time. Let's just get them on the first transfer, Mm -hmm. which is creating a crazy epidemic in this thing where it's like everybody, the transfer portal this year, my gosh. Right. Like, some people aren't even looking at high school kids. So they go all the way through the transfer portal.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, I think the transfer portal and we can all, we all speak this. It's like the running joke in the basketball community. Like, Oh, there's, x amount of names in the transfer portal and it's the continual running joke but i think there's something to be said for programs like you would look at in recent college basketball landscape iowa state dayton this past year san diego state this past year those teams and i think this is what i love about transferring when okay this guy was at a high major it didn't really work out that didn't broke out in the scheme he wasn't the right fit we're going to take a chance on him the second time around and we're going to blossom him into this guy and that's what you saw at san diego state that's what you saw at dayton those dudes aren't always transferring up right and those are two of my favorite teams to watch in college basketball this year and they're awesome and those coaches did their job they do their homework and they find guys that fit them the part that kills me is the D1s, the low D1s that we talked about who don't do their homework. They don't watch the film. They don't find the gems. And then they just wait for someone who, who you guys found to blow up. And then they just poach them and say, oh yeah, okay, come on. Come play D1 basketball. And it's like, dude, where were you when this kid was doing the same thing three years ago? Like, I, and that's the stuff that kind of kills me. But also, I mean, I've read, a st- I read like a study article a couple weeks ago. So it's kind of faded, but I still remember the genesis of it. And it's basically like, it gave the numbers for guys that transfer up, right? Like the mid majors that go high major. And it wasn't pretty like straight up. It wasn't pretty for the team or the players. Like it's transferring up is much, much harder than people anticipate. It's like, Oh yeah, he's way too good for that level. So he'll just fit right in. Like no, this, this stuff matters, dude, like changing your entire surroundings that affects you as a player on, and off the court. And that matters on top of the competition level increasing. And it was really interesting because you see all these guys that think they're making their money's worth on poaching these kids from lower levels and then just creating this, like a team of transfers that were way too good for their old level. But in reality, is it really working in your favor? And I think that's a really interesting conversation to have.
0: Yeah, and so many times it's like the system. You know what I mean? You can have a kid that's highlighted in the system at a low major, let's just say, getting the ball X number of time, X number of shots. And so they're averaging 20 here. Well, if they bump up a level, they're average 15, and that's still good. But you put them in a role that they're not used to. The ball's not in their hands. They go in, and all of a sudden, every the dynamics of it change. And, yeah, but, and, and so they, they're not able to, to flourish in that. They have a bad experience. You get it both ways. Good experience is bad experience. But my my biggest worry is that it's just so simple. You know what I mean? Like, and I know this is mm-hmm. probably getting a little bit heavy, but let's just say the marriage isn't going too good this week. What do we do? Just walk out on it. I mean, we got a transfer. We have a high school transfer list in Georgia, right? Like there's, there's people, you can go look at the list and you can watch where everybody's transferring. I mean, it's, and so it's just becoming so easy to walk away yep. from anything you don't like. And I'm worried about the repercussions of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I think there's there's something to be said, and this is why I, transferring in general is a deep conversation that people don't want to have. Like it's easier for everyone to say, oh, transferring is the root of all our issues. Well, it's not. It's not because there are guys like Jordan Hawkins who made a life changing decision by going up a level and betting on self. but then there's guys who did the opposite. So. This idea that transferring as a whole is bad isn't true, in my opinion. And this is why I want to go on a podcast like this and have a conversation and talk within the different roots of transferring and the different parts of transferring. Because it's not all bad, but there are there are a lot of parts of it that are bad. And one of that is kids not being able to fight their adversity and kids learning not to fight their adversity. You see kids going to college. They've gone four high schools in four years, and it has nothing to do with anything but the fact that they couldn't fight through adversity, Oh, they, this coach was being mean to them that day. All right, we're out. He's not, he's not starting me today. Okay, this coach is telling me he's going to start me. And again, look, it's not all the players. We talked about it. The players are 15 years old. They're 16 years old. We can't expect them to make these rational decisions. Coaches play a part in it too. You see coaches, how many times does a coach say, oh, you're not happy over there. You come to my school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you initiate 15 pick and rolls a game. Right, <laughs> come on now. And then he gets there and he's playing off ball in the corner and then he goes to another school. So like the players get a lot of the heat and it's true. They, they're the ones making decisions. They're the ones who ultimately are picking up the bags and moving to another school or to another state, whatever. But these coaches, and I think it's easier to just blame it on the players because people aren't like in tune with the, with the conversations and they're not, they don't get intel we'll call it they don't know what really goes on behind the scenes so it's just easier to say oh this kid's a quitter well yeah that is true sometimes but i'll I try to fi- find out what that coach said in that kid's living room and then tell me if you think it's all the kids fault again and yeah, that, there's, just, yeah. there's just there's yeah. just levels to everything and it's it's deeper there's multiple layers to this and, stuff and don't, and don't ignore the
1: don't ignore the parents role Jake. oh
2: yeah yeah and the parents too i mean oh man you
1: know? i've see,
2: you we've also we've all it, it takes one you have to go into one gym and you can see you can point out five parents that are creating problems for their kids you can you can see it immediately
1: and, and you know i've said this for a long time if if college coaches don't like the high school transferring and so many within the basketball community think there's issues of kids bouncing around and leaving the lower level publics to the privates, at least in our area or down in Atlanta, where they're just going from lower level publics to higher level publics, wherever the transferring is. If people don't like it, then coaches who hold the keys, they hold the keys to change. They need to influence change, right? They need to create change. I think about a young man that, that, you know, uh, a local guy here in our area, Jawa Tuka. Jow's a great example. Jow has been, killing the public school space since he was a freshman helping carry his team right to the next level to the state championship essentially at Xfinity his freshman year with Jordan Hawkins. I have talked so many times with Jao Jao is loyal. Some say he is loyal to a fault right he is saying I'm sticking strong and I'm staying true to my public school. He says I am staying true to my AAU team that he's been with for a long time. He is just you know, saying I want to keep, I just want to continue going down the path I'm going because I feel like I owe it to these people that have poured into me over the years. Now, Jahl's a little bit of a tweener from a basketball perspective, right? He's big, but is he a point guard? There's some questions about that. But regardless, his looks would be significantly greater if he jumped into the WCAC. I believe you agree, Jake?
2: I think it it depends on the school and situation, okay. but okay. in in a vacuum, probably,
1: probably right? Like. Well, there's a lot of people that believe that.
2: Yeah. No, I want
1: I-, I want somebody to go and, and reward that young man for his loyalty. Mm-hmm. Reward that young man and say, you know what? Like I- I'm taking a flyer on you because yes, you can ball, but I like your character and loyalty even more. Right? Like you're the type of person I want in my program and I want to reward that. And I just don't think enough coaches are rewarding the right things that they want to see. Right, They reward the behaviors that they actually get frustrated over. Right, yep. They will give that scholarship to that player that's been at four high schools over four years. And then on podcasts like this, we'll complain about too many kids transferring from four. Well, guess what? It worked. You gave them a scholarship. Yeah, so, have you
0: ever seen Saban's quote on that, where he says, I'm not interested in the two or three you're transfer guy i don't think they're willing to face adversity but it's interesting because and that and i think there's some truth to that but it's interesting how many people are complicit in the problem i mean there's players there's coaches there's parents mm-hmm. right and it, i mean i would love for you to hear people's votes like if you had to pick one who's the biggest problem in those three uh the coach the player the parent it'd be interesting to see what people think is actually the biggest culprit i'd love to hear what you think adam and jake who do you if you had to put Pick one. Who are you putting most of the blame on?
2: I mean, I do think it's case by case. I mean, I don't, it's definitely case by case because you, but I do think if I were, I'm, I'm going to do a little dual answer here. I'm going to say parents and circle around the player. Just let's just say everyone in his circle because at the end of the day, yes, that coach comes into your living room and he pitches whatever the spiel is. Yes, you talk to your high school coach and he promises you promises you x amount of minutes next season but at the end of the day when push comes to shove you sit down with your family you sit down with whoever you trust and and you say okay how are we going to go about this decision and way too many times you have people that are in their ear for all the wrong reasons who are that are selfish that don't see that don't have any long-term foresight and they just want the best move now and they make emotional decisions not rational decisions and that I think is the biggest consistent problem is that these kids are really, they're in a tough situation and that's why, well, yes, the players, they do a lot of wrong in this, in this particular thing, but let's cut them some slack. They're 16 year old kids. Like this is really, really hard. And that's why I want to kind of play devil's advocate kid on my point about recruiting and picking a college. Cause it's tough for a 17 year old kid. I don't know what that's like to have eight schools telling me I'm, I'm the next, I'm the next coming of God. Like, I don't know how that feels and so I, it's, I'm going to say parents and circle around them because those are the people that pride themselves and in theory should be bringing unemotional, rational decision-making to the table and they failed to do that way more than I would like.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. It is a case-by-case. Case. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's hard to just kind of blanket it because every situation is so different. I will say I, put the, I think the, the players are least at fault. Mm -hmm. right i I do think they're at their least at fault i think there's a lot of parents driving it i know of stories where parents have pushed players out of areas where they want to be right like they actually wanted to stay they're now sad they are losing their friendships and losing that that camaraderie and their parents really pushed them and they it's a hard thing for a 16 17 year old to stand up to your parents if the parents are really driving an initiative
2: yeah i mean can i share a quick story about that you guys so i'm I was at EYBL in Hampton a couple years ago and I'm just, I mean, it's a crazy event. You have everyone walking around and at then when you go and you I've been there for a couple years straight, you start to become familiar with a bunch of the kids. So I'm talking to one of the kids who's there and we're just not, not an interview off the record, just, just catching up. And I was like, Oh, you're going to be back at X school X next year. He said, Oh no, nah, like this is pretty crazy. Actually. I was just playing. I was just going to a practice and I got off. I got off the phone or I, pick up my phone after practice and I see a media story that says I'm transferring to another county and I was like what you didn't know and he's like yeah I guess my dad made the choice and he called the news outlet and I didn't even know I mean I guess it is what it is I guess I'm going there I was like damn like wow like I was like kind of just like Struck like I was like stuck in that moment, and he was like, Yeah, I mean, I guess it is what it is. And I and I literally have like, I can't even tell you the amount of times I've thought about that because it's just like that. That's one time, like that's only the one time that I've heard that story and been able to hear that. But how many times is that going on all over the country at every single different level? How many times is that going on at colleges? Like that, people's handlers are making the call for them, and they're not even involved in decision making process at all. And so yes like how many comments did that kid probably get from old adults or just kids you copped out you left us you left us when in reality he literally didn't even know and had zero part in the decision making of the transfer so like that's when those are the stories i like to share when people let it all lash out on these kids and like I tell that to someone, they're like, wow, like I had no idea that was even capable of exi- existing. And I'm like, yeah, this is real. Like that stuff is prevalent in today's game. So I that's I just wanted to share that little anecdote because I think it supports your take. No,
1: it, it absolutely does. So well, Jake, here as we uh we begin to wrap up, I do want to ask you, let's talk about your experience on in high school basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. So you played all four years, you you loved your high school basketball experience. I gather. Is that accurate? Yes. You you had a great, great experience. Although senior year, you had an injury. uh, I applaud you. You were, I I even said this in one of our sessions, probably still more engaged than some of those that were playing, even though you weren't playing the final two months of the season, but you were there every single day, locked and loaded. TJ, he'd always be rocking his blazer on the bench, (laughs) right? Like truly a testament. He's an extension of the staff. there, really sharp, but you know, what does the average high school player, do you think, want most from their high school basketball career? What do you think they truly want the most? Is it minutes? Is it stats? Is it wins? Is it camaraderie? Is it fun experience? What is it?
2: I mean, so I think a lot of kids, they'll they'll tell you right off the bat, I want to play. Like, I want to play. I want to put up the numbers. I want to do... I want to get recognized for my skills. I mean, yeah, well, all that's cool and all. Um, I think in their, in everyone's heart of hearts and when they look back on it, I mean, you hear all the NBA players say, oh, the thing I'm going to miss most, I'm going to miss the bus rides. I'm going to miss the locker room time with the guys. And like, that's how I feel about high school basketball. I'm going to miss the bus rides. I'm going to miss those post-practice meals, going out with the guys, just catching up, having a good time. Like, yeah, the games are fun. It's a great environment. It's, it's what we all practice for. It's what we work for. But at the end of the day, those relationships you make with your guys and those are in sometimes life, lifelong relationships and you truly form a family. And I think you helped us a lot with that this year that that was probably the closest basketball team I've ever been a part of one through 15. Like everyone was cool with each other. We, we went on our trip. I, I didn't care who I was sitting next to at the dinner table. It wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. And I just think when everyone looks back on the high school experience, that's what they'll miss. And that's what they're in it for is these relationships and family type bonds for sure.
1: I tend to agree, you know, and that's why I think it's so important that as coaches, we were intentional to build that because I really do think at the end of the day, that's what's most important. And we get so caught up in wins and losses. And yes, we want that. And that certainly enhances the experience, right? Our playoff run was great until it wasn't great. Right there at the end, still a little controversial. Um, You agree, Jake? I mean, is that wound still fresh? No, nah, I've,
2: I've, I mean, I've, I've taken some solace in that and kind of moved on. I've, I've watched the highlights so many times and listen, when, when you're up five with 30 seconds left, that's on you.
1: Hey, that's fair. That's fair. TJ, you got anything you want to say before we wrap up here?
0: Yeah. One last question for you, Jake, like when you look back on your experience, what is something, you know, we've got so many coaches that, uh that uh, listen in here? What is something that maybe a coach did or somebody did, or perhaps Adam would lead them up or whatever that made your career more valuable? That was just a great investment in your career.
2: Um, I think just a, one, a big thing for me is cause I mean, Adam mentioned it. I'm basketball is kind of like it, it consumes my everyday thought, like it, to, whether it's scouting college guys for the draft or watching my own high school film or it's talking with coaches and, I, since I've been young, since I've been literally in elementary school I've always looked for a two-way street with a coach like yeah, I want you to coach me and I want you to push me but I want to get to have a relationship with you where if I see something I'm going to let you know and we can have this da- back and forth dialogue and the coaches I've had the closest relationships with are those coaches that we establish that fine line like okay yeah I'm not going to overstep I- I'm still a player but at the end of the day it's a give and a take and th- just like those have been special times, like me chopping over film with the coach and saying, Okay, I saw this, like, can we work on this? Or what do you think about this look? What do you think if I reverse this? Or just simple little things. And those that's what made my career really special and recognizing that I was more than a player. Like, and I think there's a lot of guys that are like that. Like they're they're leaders, they want to take that engagement to the next level, they want to be involved in everything that goes into the program. They don't want to just show up, score points and leave. They want to really leave their mark and build a culture, and that's what we talked about from the jump. So, being a, building a culture doesn't just mean winning the games. That means this is how we lock in during film sessions. This is how we ride out together like uh, this is how we prepare for the game on a bus. Like just laying down all the groundwork and then having a coach reciprocate that interest and say, okay, I know you're here to build something special, but you need my help and you need my approval to get there. Then establishing that two way street was, was really special for me when I got to experience that throughout high school.
1: Well said Jake. Hey, listen, we appreciate you so much. And uh, I've said this many times, the fact that you're only 17, 18 years old is mind boggling, right? Just so sharp. So, so with it. My man, appreciate you so much. Make sure you check out jakeinthepaint.com. You can go at jakeinthepaint on Twitter uh, to follow him. A lot of great analysis and film breakdown and stuff like that. So as always, I am Adam. He is TJ. Together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. Until next time, we're out. Coaches, before you go, I want to make you aware of a special announcement. Our friends at PGC Basketball, TJ Rosine, and the whole crew, have been working hard to make some updates and enhancements to their Key 5 coaching platform. Back in 2019, for a limited time, they opened up 500 memberships available to the public for Key 5 coaching. 500 coaches signed up in 48 hours. They capped it at the 500. They were blown away about the impact and the attention and the response that coaches gave towards the Key 5 coaching platform. So over the next six months, they served those coaches, made appropriate enhancements, collected feedback, and have made the Key5 coaching platform better than ever. And now they've opened it up to coaches all over. So with Membership Now open, you can be part of the Key5 coaching platform. They take you through everything you need to be the most dynamic and impactful coach you can be, as well as being part of a coaching community that makes you feel like you're not doing it alone. Go check out Key 5 Coaching to learn more about how you can get signed up and be part of the Key 5 Coaching community today. Coaches, just wanted to share that before you went. Hope you consider it. I'm Adam. We are the Harwood Hustle. Until next time, we're out.